Are you tired of the nine to five lifestyle? Do you want more freedom to do what you want, when you want it, without sacrificing your current income? Then this is the show for you. Every week, we dive into John's journey towards financial freedom and everything he has learned since 2014. Real estate investing, cryptocurrency, stocks, private lending, foreign residency, tax saving strategies, infinite banking, assets protection, and much more. Now, here is your host, the founder of the Wealth and Freedom Nexus, John Rickgarn. afternoon or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. This is John Rickgarn, your host, as always, of the Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast. And we actually have our first uh, returning guest to the podcast, Rachel Jensen of ECI Development. So you may remember her from our first episode where we had discussed foreign residency, real estate in foreign countries such as Belize, Panama, Nicaragua. Belize, I can highly attest to. I visited in June of 2020, or excuse me, 2021. Highly recommend it to anyone that wants to get away for a little vacation. And also they uh, speak English there too. So you don't need to brush up on your Espanol or any other languages that you might bundle through. <laughs> Now, today I wanted to bring Rachel back on for another investment opportunity that ECI has had for many years for their investors that has gained a lot of traction and a lot of interest. Now, typically there's two attributes I like to see an investment that I like to share with my listeners. One, that you don't have to be accredited, you don't have a huge net worth or make two hundred dollars or $300,000 a year. And two, don't need a huge capital outlay to get started. You know, don't need to plunk down $100,000 to get started in this. So this particular investment that ECI offers actually covers both of those. You don't have to be accredited and is a relatively low capital outlay. So with that, Rachel, welcome back to the show. And maybe you can give us a little hint as to what this investment is. Of course. Well, thank you for having me back, John. I appreciate it. And I don't know, for those of you who are watching the, the video component of this, if you're not just listening on the, the podcast behind me, maybe a little bit of a, a giveaway of what it is we're going to be talking about. <laughs> and <laughs> for those of you who aren't sure what the heck I'm talking about, there's a, a wooden furniture set behind me on my, my background <laughs> display here. Um, and that wooden furniture is actually made of teak. Teak. Ah, okay. Hey, yes. And teak is a really incredible hardwood. It's a luxury hardwood. It's been around for centuries, used in many different facets of construction, boating, uh, woodworking, furniture. So there's a lot of usage for teak. But what we're going to talk about today is how you can be the owner of a teak parcel. You own a teak parcel. It's titled in your name. Okay. And then you receive the profits, any profits that are made from the teak when it sells. So it's a, it's a long harvest time, about 25 years. I know for most investors, it's a little bit more challenging to think in a 25-year cycle, especially for those of you who are invested in real estate. Uh, you know, in real estate, you're getting a monthly check if you have a long-term rental mm -hmm. or if you have a vacation rental, you're getting it as soon as, as the guest leaves. And so it's a little bit more challenging for people to think in 25-year in terms, but it is certainly something that I recommend you do. Look at your portfolio in terms of diversification, diversification of asset classes, time frame of your investment. When will it mature? 
and for a long time, the ultra wealthy have been investing in timber generally. So Teak, yeah, I don't want to get too much into the details. It's <laughs> a little overview to get you interested. And then we'll be going through more of the details over the next 30 minutes here. Sure. Wow. That's a lot to unpack there. So yes, if you can't see, and if you're just listening to the audio version, uh, we are talking about Teak, which is obviously a hardwood that can be made into obviously like the chairs that are uh, sitting behind Rachel on her screen right there, but are also used in like decking for uh, boats and yachts and other things. So maybe I'll just take a step back, Rachel, and maybe obviously we covered teak as a wood, but I think there's maybe just a little bit more to it, but what exactly is teak or what makes kind of teak so unique or so special? So teak, it's a hardwood. It's, it's harder than mahogany. There's another hardwood similar to teak that's called ipe, um, but okay. it's a very, very strong hardwood and it makes it a very unique wood because of the fact that it is so durable. It can withstand a lot of elements that other lumber cannot. So it's resistant to fire, rot, termites, bugs, uh, anything that people really consider a risk when they're thinking about using timber or lumber in construction or whatever it is that they're going to use it for. And especially from the ownership side, when you're owning trees, something to factor is what are the risks? And that's really one of the big things that makes teak so attractive is the fact that it is resistant to all those factors. Like I mentioned, the fire, rot, uh, fungus, termites, bugs, anything that you really consider to be a risk. And because it is so durable, it is... It, pretty expensive to get any sure. tea products to own tea products. They also last for a very, very long time. You know, minimal, there's minimal requirement to keep it looking good, you know, just clean it up every now and again. But otherwise, it really does maintain the beautiful color that it has to it. So it's very durable. And it's resistant to a lot of factors that a lot of people consider risks when they're, they're looking at ownership of lumber or just even lumber products generally. Okay. And as I recall, you had mentioned with the durability of teak, as I recall, was it the late eighties, early nineties? I can't remember when they had started or they found the Titanic that had sunk back in the early 1900s. And I believe there was some old furniture they had pulled that was made of teak. And I mean, obviously it, you know, had ocean grime, fungus, whatever growing (laughs) on it, but I mean, they just cleaned it up and it was pretty much like brand new after that. (laughs) Yep, it's true. And it's in a museum now, a museum now, but they took this chased hair that was on the Titanic out of the water, cleaned it up, restored it, and it looks awesome. And I think that is, if it can withstand the elements of the sea, it's a pretty <laughs> darn good hardwood. We, I live uh, on the beach here in, in Belize, and I can tell you that everything is getting damaged by the sea. So when you're able to see a wooden piece that just withstands Uh, the elements and and time. It's really quite remarkable, but it's true. And you'll tend to find a lot of teak used in boats as well. So not just the furniture component, but the decking of boats, for example, anybody, if anyone's listening in their boat or Chris craft boats, one of their trademark uh, types of construction of the boat is, is teak with teak. And it's a really nice hardwood there. Um, But there's just a lot of different ways that you can utilize it in your everyday, your everyday life, whether it's the furniture that you have outside or it's the decking Uh, beams even. I live in the tropics and we do tend to see the construction of more luxury homes integrate teak into them. So whether it's the floors, the the beams, or even the outdoor palapa um, beams. Uh, Palapas are like the little thatched roof huts, but have posts, you know, they're typically made out of teak, at least in luxury places because they're expensive, but it, it withstands the elements. So it's really, it's really, really a remarkable wood. And it's not something that we just created or fabricated in a lab. It's been around for a long time. Obviously you talked about it being on the Titanic. So it's been used for a really, really long time. And I think when people are looking at investments, it's important to understand the history of this, of this product. 
and how long has it been around? Is it something proven in the marketplace? Is it new in the marketplace? But obviously, Teak has had a very a very long history of use. Yeah, as an investment, and in, I mean, obviously, there's you know dozens, if not hundreds, of things people can invest in now, from you know Dogecoin to real estate to NFTs. Now, with Teak especially, how has that held up as an investment per se, or how has the demand been, even with say you know the short recession with COVID back in March of 2020, the Great Recession, and then you know, 20 years ago at the dot-com bust, were there any, you know, bumps along the way or how has Teak performed in, uh, you know, recessionary times? Sure. So the product, the finished product of Teak, so when you harvest it, you process it from logs to lumber. Lumber has done incredible over COVID here. I know a lot of people doing those at-home projects, a lot of construction projects that are happening. So the price of timber has just increased across the board and and Teak is the same. Typically, Teak prices increase on average of about 5.5% per year. Oh, um, wow. I don't know the exact figure of what it was over the last year, year and a half, but it was more than 5.5%, which was pretty incredible to see. But you know, understanding the risks of an investment is important. And I do want to talk about what happened over COVID because every year tree the trees need to be clean, the, the plantation needs to be clean. So what we okay. do is we trim the underbrush, we trim the, the branches down because you want from about two-thirds down to be clear of branches so the trees grow straight. So during COVID, when when these countries, well, in Panama specifically, the country that we're in was in complete lockdown, people couldn't leave the house. And mm-hmm. so we weren't able to do the cleaning of the farm. And so that, I mean, that's fine, but that just means that we got a little delayed on when the harvest will be. So typically a good harvest is about 25 years from the time okay. you plant the saplings to the time that you're harvesting, it's a 25 year period. That's the best time value of money. Now, because okay. we weren't able to get out and, and clean the farm and do those trimmings, uh, what that means is we're just set back a, a year on when the actual harvest is. So the harvest will still happen and the trees are still growing. In fact, they'll probably be even a little bit larger at that point because they had an extra year of growth. But that would be really one of the major risks when you're looking at timber and, and teak um, is that time component of it. You know, I would never guarantee you that we're going to have the teak done. Uh, uh, harvested at, at the 25th year on December 14th, whatever <laughs> years is from now. I'm not going to guarantee that because I can't guarantee that because there are unknown factors like if COVID or whatever this unknown sure. factor is that prevents us from, from trimming and, and cleaning. But the nice part is that it's a hard asset. So you have it, you know, it's still there after age three, it's resistant to fire, rot, termites, bugs, all of those considerations that we talked about before. So you really don't have to worry about it. It grows. We have a property management company that takes care of everything and they make sure that it is, it is still growing. So that would really be the one risk if there's, if we're not able to, to clean or, or we have a delay in the harvest. Um, so just bear that in mind Just think generally okay. long-term for this. Uh, and then the other risk could be if there's just absolutely no market for tea. <laughs> I don't foresee happening since it's been around for such a long time and it's proven the worth of it is really proven. But that would be the, the two considerations that that I would mention. And, you know, the worst case scenario is we just let the trees continue to grow. They'll okay. grow for another year, grow for another six months. And, you know, think about it, a tree every day is growing larger in size. And so what that means at the end of the day, at the end of the harvest is it's growing in value. Every time it's growing in size, it's growing in value because that means okay. there are more board feet at the end of the day to sell. And so when you're when we're selling it, we we measure the amount of board feet in the tree by the, um, by the price, by the board foot price, multiply that. And then that's how you get your projected return. And so we have a whole business plan that goes through this. Uh, we've, we've been in this industry for over two decades at this point. Wow. We work 
incredible property managers who their only job is to is to know the teak industry. They plant the saplings, they manage thousands of hectares of, of teak, but they are just incredible at, at what they do. And so uh, they, we've been working with them since the beginning of our teak farms too. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Now you had mentioned, uh, and maybe this is one of the risk factors there from when the teak tree is, you know, a sapling or just planted at that point to age three, it's a little bit more susceptible to, yep. you know, bugs or fire rot, et cetera. Once it hits age three, that's when it's more hardened, I guess, for lack of a better word, resist those elements. Exactly. And so prior to age three, there are extra precautions that are taken firewalls around the farm, insecticide used, but after age three, it, it's resistant to it. And that's one of the neat factors about teak is because it is so hard and oily, it, it's protecting itself really from, okay. from the fires. It, it, it is interesting. I, I'm personally, I'm an investor in teak. Um, I just think it's an incredible opportunity. My, I grew up in New York. I live in Belize now, spend some time in, in Nicaragua, but um, I, my, my family, when I was first talking to them about teak, they're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. We don't understand why you ever <laughs> want to invest outside of the stock market, something guaranteed. Yeah. And, and finally, about hmm, five years into me working with the, the company, I've been with the company about 10 years, about five years working into the company, working with the company, they came down to Panama, which is where we have one of our teak farms. Okay. And lo and behold, we just happened to have a teak tour at the same time. So I put my parents on the bus for the teak tour. <laughs> Took us three hours to get out to the plantation. They're getting to know everyone, talking to everyone. And then uh, they see the teak trees. They're hugging the teak trees and they, they finally <laughs> got it. And about six months later, it took my mom about six months of going through the numbers. The business plan was like, all right, we want one. And I was like, yes, they get the diversification <laughs> element. It's awesome. But it's it's just a neat way to to invest in something a little different. And mm-hmm. you know, like you said before, the investment numbers aren't so crazy. They're not so pie in the sky. They started about seven seven thousand dollars and then work up from there depending on the, the age of the farm okay. but you know for me i'm on the younger side of, of our investors but we have investors our youngest was 21 at the time that he invested in the farm our oldest was about 94 the 21 oh, wow. year old yeah right the 21 year old he didn't have a fa- he doesn't have a family he's not married he did it because he'll see three you know presumably three harvests from it and then the 94 year old did it for his great grandchildren. So he purchased teak plots for each of his great grandchildren, okay. their name. And then when they have these big life events that are happening, you know, maybe they're going to college, getting their masters, uh, buying a house, starting a family, having a wedding, then they'll have this chunk of money coming in from the harvest and they'll still own the land. Once we do the harvest, which is the neat part, it's your land. You get titled to it. You own the trees on the land. Once we harvest, we replant and do it again. And then it continues within the family or with the owner there for, for generations. So it's a neat benefit to it is that generational wealth stewardship that, you know, typically we don't really think about until we're a little bit older because we are, you know, thinking about leaving something for the kids or grandkids or, or friend or whomever your loved ones are, but it's just a neat element to it. Okay. And now, uh, did I catch there that the beginning or shall we say the entry point to get into this is $7,000 and what is, what is $7,000 get? Is that one tree, one sapling or? Great question. So the entry is, it's about $6,880. Let's just round up to $7,000. We'll say seven. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll round up to seven. That's not a little bit easier. And so you get one parcel. One parcel is considered one quarter acre. And okay. each quarter acre at the time that we plant, when we plant, we have about 110 trees on the parcel. And then that gets cut down to actually it's a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it's about 110. Then we cut down and we end up thinning and we end up with about 23, 24 trees per parcel. So there's okay. a lot of trimming 
that happens in thinning that happens over that 25 year period. There's a formula to this, making sure the trees are growing straight, making sure they're starting to grow in diameter, which is why we overplant in the beginning. We overcrowd so okay. the trees straight. And then at age 12, 18, 20, we have what we call thinnings, which is when we remove the trees that aren't growing as well as the others. Age 25 is when we do that final harvest. So there are some payouts that happen over that 25 year period. So you don't have to wait until 25 to see something. Sure. At age 12, 18 and 20, you see the, 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 the thinnings. Okay. But um, they're your trees. And then when we, we thin, it gets down to about 20, 24, 25 trees at the end of the day. So that is our newborn. We have newborn parcels. So that means they're brand new. The saplings that go in the ground when you decide to own. And then from there, it's a 25 year period to, okay. uh, to the harvest. And that is the newborn. We have that in Panama and also in Nicaragua. And then in additional, in addition to that, we have one-year-old parcels in Nicaragua. Those started about 7,500. And okay. then we have right now there's 16 year old parcels and those started about a little bit under 19,000. Okay. And so you were mentioning before, like mentioning NFTs and all this. space. First, <laughs> I love the crypto space. I just think it's something that's so interesting and different. Um, and about four or five years ago, we started accepting cryptocurrency as forms of payment. Oh, wow. So it's a way for people who, who capitalize on this crypto movement, who want to use the crypto, right? That's a fun part of the crypto investing is being able to use it. People can use that for their for their investments in the teak. So okay. just as a quick recap, newborns, they start about 7,000. We have the one-year-old in Nicaragua that is about 7,500. And then we have in Panama, the 16-year-old, and that's about 19,000 from there. Okay. Um, and and just as a, I don't think I mentioned this before in the in our chat. And sorry about that, guys. But the tea farms are located in Panama and Nicaragua. Panama and Nicaragua, they're two countries where tea grows awesomely. In addition to that, um, with these countries, there are certain benefits if you invest a certain amount of of money into the countries, like residency benefits, for example. Um, but these are two countries that are are just great from the investment perspective. Okay. And we've been, We've been working in Panama for about 23, 24 years uh, at this point. And then Nicaragua for about 20 years. We've been working there as a, a company. Our, our, um, if you guys listened to the first show that John and I did, mm -hmm. we were talking about the real estate there in Latin America. And so one of our core competencies as a business is real estate development. Been in Latin America region for over two decades at this point. And then we started the Teak about 23, 24 years ago in, in Panama. So we've been around for some time. <laughs> Yes, definitely a lot of experience with that. So now you had touched base on uh, with the, you know, residency options for say like Nicaragua and Panama. And obviously mm -hmm. I know this can really get down to the weeds, but maybe just high level, you know, in addition to having an asset that can, you know, mm -hmm. grow and produce for decades and, you know, even kind of leave a legacy, if you will, for your family and descendants. If one were to invest, what are the uh, possible additional benefits like, you know, whether Nicaragua or Panama that you invest in, you know, could that lead to residency options if someone was looking for that? Yes, absolutely. And so that was actually one of the big reasons why we surveyed our plantation in Panama into smaller parcels for individual ownership is because there was a residency program there uh, that you could pair up ownership of land and get residency from it. So the, the program has changed slightly in Panama. Uh, okay. The investment minimum went up um, last year. So now the minimum threshold for that residency is called the Friendly Nations Visa is $200,000 invested in land. Okay. Uh, but, but we also, because our land is certified reforested, which means we commit to replanting. One of the really nice benefits is that you can be uh, a part of the reforestation visa, which is a minimum of $100,000 
invested okay. in land. So that residency is, is great as well. Um, and then in Nicaragua, the minimum threshold there for residency is less. It's $30,000 invested in land. And in, in Nicaragua, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try not to get into the weeds too much here, but in <laughs> Nicaragua, uh, you have to have a Nicaragua company and then that Nicaragua company will own the, the teak. Okay. And so that's how that residency works. And we have an attorney who will take care of everything and work with you to make sure you get the, the Nicaragua company set up. And then from there, you'll, you'll be the owner of that company. And then the, that company will own the teak, but it's, I mean, we've had a lot of people do it. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, for those of you who are newer to the international investment world, uh, one thing I do want to say, because it's always good to know these things ahead of time, <laughs> is it's just slow. Like paperwork process is slow. Residency yep. process is slow. It just takes time. And getting titles, for example, it's slow. It takes time. At Panama, I think, is the worst offender where it's about 18 to 24 months yep. from the time that you submit your power of attorney to the time you actually get your title. Yep. So it's you just go into it, understand that there's nothing wrong with it. Your countersigned documents, purchase agreements act as the deed that gets registered with the lands department. So, you know, people, they know that the, the sale has happened, but you actually getting the physical deed takes time. So yeah. that's what the one thing I wish, you know, when people are, are just investing in Latin America, that's the one thing I like to share up front because we go in with expectations of, of what it's like compared to our experience in North America. So sure. A, a heads up there. Yeah. And I can attest to that. Uh, in 2020, early 2020, I invested in a coffee parcel in Panama. And of course, then COVID hit two months after that. So like you said, the country was shut down. So I think, you know, fingers crossed this year, we'll finally get deed for the land that we purchased 20, almost 25 months ago at the time of this recording. I, so. I was going to say, though, that's that's pretty darn good, even because of COVID with the COVID, all the whole off, all the offices shut down for a couple months. So yep, yeah, John, that's that's pretty good timing. <laughs> so, and one little, also a little tidbit, I'll just kind of throw in this is from my personal experience. So as, as you can probably imagine, I am investing in or invested in Teak as well. If you are looking to invest in this, say in a self-directed retirement account, I would personally recommend going Nicaragua. Panama has a lot of extra hoops to jump through as far as, you know, an international, was it an IBC or yes. LLC version that yep. Panama has and extra, you know, hoops to jump through and everything where Nicaragua, it's a little bit more streamlined where they're a little bit more open to ownership and, you know, trust entities, which basically an IRA is. So just a little tidbit out there for anyone that's maybe listened to episode five of, you know, specializing or specialized trust with self-directing your IRA. If you're wanting to pursue this investment in an IRA or 401k, Nicaragua might be your better, better bet than going through Panama. I would highly, highly recommend that as well. Uh, we've seen people who were so insistent on Panama with their IRA. And so what it yeah. just happens is there are a ton of extra costs that are associated. And if your investment is $7,000, then you have to spend $2,000 to get the corporation set up and then another yeah. to register it to do business in Panama. The numbers just start to not make sense at that point. And there's the annual registration. So mm -hmm. I would say the best thing to do is, is look at Nicaragua. And I do want to mention if you are looking for residency or planning to get residency at some point, you cannot own in your IRA. Right. That does have to be in your personal name. We have had some people who've, who've invested in their IRA and like, all right, we, we want to get residency. You know, yeah. like, we want to get residency, but unfortunately it, it doesn't work, work that way. So just a, a quick heads up there. So good. 
So I was wrapping up here, Rachel. And again, I want to thank you for coming in on the show and sharing a lot of information on Teak. And I will have all this information here in the show notes, as well as various links. If uh, anyone listening to this were interested in, you know, investing in this, you know, Teak parcel, or maybe just want to get some additional information, what's the best way to reach out and uh, get some more info on that? Yeah. So right under this, there should be a link. If you're watching from the video perspective, <laughs> click that link. If you're not uh, listening via link, I would say you can just reach out uh, to us info at teakhardwoods.com, T-E-A-K-H-A-R-D-W-O-O-D-S.com, teakhardwoods.com. Uh, and then just let us know that you heard about us through the podcast here. Uh, you can mention John Rickgarn's name or uh, the name of the podcast, Freedom and Wealth Nexus, or, you know, however you want to just put Freedom <laughs> Podcast or Wealth Podcast, we'll get it. But I do want to know that you guys heard about us through the podcast because we will offer special discounts for folks who tune in through the podcast here. So just, of course, mention that to us and we'll make sure that uh, you get that special discount applied. But we do have great resources, I understand that the teak world is probably new to many of you. So we have resource teak resource guides. So what teak looked like in, in the past, how it's doing currently, what we expect it to do in the future. Uh, we also go more into the, the buyers of teak and understanding that marketplace. I think that's important. We have business plans, we have residency overviews, why you would want to become a resident of a country. So just feel free to reach out to us, even handbooks for those countries, Panama handbook, Nicaragua handbook, because if you haven't invested there before, or even if you haven't visited before, it's good to know a little bit more about the country before you invest. And then if anybody wants more information about us, obviously doing due diligence on the people that you're investing with is really important. So we can send you our whole business plan so you can see what our company's uh, motto is. You can also um, just you know ask us about our, our history and whatever other questions you want to know. We have a really incredible team of, of consultants who work with us who really un- want to understand your goals and then we'll help you decide from there what opportunity may make sense for you. So I would say reach out to us, get the information. That's the best thing you can do. Educating yourself like you're doing is awesome. And that we do hope to hear from you. (laughs) Sounds good. And I'll have that email address and link in the show notes. And then also below the video, if you're watching this on YouTube. So, well, again, uh, Rachel, it's been great to have you on the show and hope my listeners learn some more about, shall we say, another alternative investment that might fit their needs and their portfolio and look forward to having you on the show in the future. Awesome. Thank you, Don. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to share, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more updates, check out www.wealthandfreedomnexus.com. Remember, nothing on this show should be considered tax, legal, investment, or professional advice. This show is produced solely for educational and informational purposes. Please consult an appropriate and licensed tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for specific advice for your situation. For distribution or publication rights or media interviews, please contact the host.